this word. And thanks again for praised. listening to the Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up. I want to say thanks for tuning in to the Zanesville area. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 40. We honor you today in the name of Jesus. Isn't it good to be in the house of God? Amen. The old song says, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. I do believe that the rapture is very, very near. And I want to be ready to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 40, if you grab your Bibles and... Can I suggest that you would bring a hard copied Bible? If you do not have one, we can provide one for you. If you would just let us know. But I'm suggesting that in this end time, that you get a Bible and start reading it every single day. It's easy. Technology puts it on our phones. I have it on my phone. I took a whole year and read my Bible on my iPad. And, and But I've learned, and one of my friends told me, he said, he made a statement the other day. He said, I was somehow doing devotion in the Bible and somehow in the middle of my devotion, I ended up on Facebook Marketplace. Distractions. Anybody relate with that? I think it's good to have a Bible. You know, you're not going to get the weather channel on there. You're not going to get all the news notifications. When you got a Bible, just have a Bible. There's every hour we need to be in the book. It's now. And, and Jeremiah, welcome home. We're so glad to see you today. So glad you're here. Would you give him a hand? You look, you look great. So thrilled you're at the house of God. Amen. Before we get into the Word, I, I realize all of the uncertainty and, and, and all kinds of things with the pandemic. But when we come in the house of God, we've got to have our mind on the Lord. This is His house. He wants us to be here. Would you set your Bibles down and lift your heart with your hands? The Bible tells us. Would you ask the Lord to speak to your spirit today through his word? Would you do that, God? Today we open the book. Lord, this, this time of worship is in the word. And I pray that God, every ear in the building would hear what your spirit is saying to the church. Let us, Lord, grow in knowledge and grace. Let your spirit speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Ezekiel chapter 40, reading with verse 3, says, And he brought me thither, in the King James Version. He took me there. Behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed. A measuring reed would have been about 11 feet tall, according to most studies that I have, I have looked at. A flax would have been uh, sectioned in cubits, which is a, a measure from the elbow to the tip of your middle finger. A cubit would have been used to measure smaller distances, doorways, gates, windows. A reed is what you would have used to measure long distances, such as miles, things of that nature. The angel showed up with a line of flax and a measuring reed and stood in the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes and hear with thine ears and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought hither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. He was saying this to the prophet. Here's my church. I want you to see the measure and how I measure the church. I do believe that God looks out of heaven and he measures his church. He has a measure. What I'm saying in that is God has an expectation of his people. Can you say amen? Revelation 11 says he came and he measured the altar and he measured the worshiper. I want to measure up to what he wants me to be. Anybody in the room want to measure up to what God wants you to be? Amen. I'd like to preach to you on the things that God 
measures. Would you, would you praise him before you're seated and thank God for his divine word? Would you do that all over the building? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Some call this place. The previous verse talks about the visions of God and there was a temple on the top frame of a city, but it was the temple on the top of a mountain. Some believe this would have been where the temple mount would become of the end time uh, Jerusalem building where they would offer the perfect sacrifice. I'm not sure. What I am sure of is this was a vision that God took a prophet in and he showed him the temple and how he wanted it to be. He looks out and he takes the prophet and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go with me and I want you to write some things down and I want you to let my people know what I've showed you. Everything that your eye sees and your ears hear, I want you to let my people know. And so he takes him with a measuring reed, if you will, or a modern day measure would be something like a tape measure here today. I want you to go measure the building. I want you to go measure the temple. I want you to see how I see things. How big is your altar? How big is your door? How big is your windows? I'm glad to tell you they even measured the dining hall of the church. Aren't you glad for a dining hall in the church? They measured the quarters even where the priests would sleep. They measured the walls of how thick they were. and The outside walls of the church, how tall they were to be. But today I will start and tell you there are, there are many things that they measured. But what I find the first thing that they measured was the entrance into the temple or the gate or the door, if you will. It matters to God who can come to church. It matters to God who's allowed in the building. It matters to God the entrance of his house. Matter of fact, it matters to us how we come into the house. One study says people people that are guests do not want to enter a church building that they cannot see inside of first. So it's important to have glass doors on the front of a church because of anxiety that comes upon first-time guests because they like to see inside before they get in there. One thing about live stream, it allows people to see inside of where we are before they ever get here. Can you say amen? And uh, that is one study because of the anxiety. Of, I can't tell you how many times I've heard of people driving around the parking lot and leaving because they felt anxious to come in to the house of God. If you're watching live stream today, we welcome you to the Anchor Church. We'd love to have you every single service that we have. Can you say amen? We want you to come. Watching live stream is great, but it's like looking at heaven and not being able to put your feet on the streets of gold. You need to come and be a part of the house of God. But he measured the door, and let me talk about the entrance for a moment. He gives us mandates such as Psalms 100. He said to enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's not optional. That's not based upon how your week has been. That's not based upon how good your attitude is. He said when you come in through the gates, there's a measure of expectation. When you come to the house of God, you come in with a thankful heart because if it hadn't been for the Lord, oh my Come on, we can't base our worship upon the mandates of our governor, the mandates that we have even set in the church and say, well, I'm not gonna worship because I got a mask on. Mask or no mask, he's worthy of all the praise that I can give him. I'm gonna clap my hands. I'm gonna lay, raise my hands. Come on, if he's ever been good to you in any way, I think you ought to jump your feet and clap your hands because the mandate of scripture is to clap your hands, all ye people. Come on, we're not here to please men. We're here to please God. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout with a voice of triumph. Somebody say amen. The mandate of scripture is the entering in through the gates. I want everybody in the building to use your vocal cords and say hallelujah. Wow, what a powerful response here today. God gave us vocal cords to praise him. The psalmist said, with the fruit of my lips. We also have him writing things like, come and magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. 
Can I teach every new baby in the church? Can I talk to the seniors in the church? Everybody in between, no matter how long you've been here, never get accustomed to coming to the church, folding your arms, and expecting to be entertained by the platform or to be just moved by the preacher. You've got to understand this is not the stage. You are the stage, and we've come to praise him. We've come to entertain him. We've come to lift him up. Lord, you've been good to me. Come on, I'm talking about being thankful here. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It's all right to shout hallelujah. Come on, it's okay to sing songs to the Lord if it hadn't been for God. Amen, amen, amen. Could I tell you that praise is an entrance? Somebody shout praise is an entrance. We are commanded to enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Uh, the, 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 the entrance, the, the door. If you would study the word door, gate, both of them would have, a, have a, a synonym that would mean an access to, an access. The Bible says enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's a mandate of us, as I've already said. But what if, what if, when we read the verse, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Is it possible that what he's commanding us to do when we come into his house through the door, through the entrance, we come in saying, before I ask you of anything, I just want to thank you for everything you've already done. That's what we should all do. When we come, before we come to the altar, say, Lord, will you give me? Will you do this for me? Will you fix this? Will you heal this? Would you provide this? What if we came and said, Lord, before I ask of anything that I need, I just want to say thank you for the health you've given me. Thank you for the spouse you've given me. Thank you for the job. Thank you for my finances. Thank you for the food. Come on, is anybody thankful? Thank you for the food upon my table. Oh, God, all good gifts come from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. Somebody out there shout, I am thankful. But is it possible that the principle of entering in with praise is also a spiritual parallel that allows you to enter in with praise. What does it mean? That when I start praising him, I actually enter in into his presence, not just into brick and mortar, not just into the sanctuary that is, that is built by man's hands. But when I start praising him, I get into his presence. And the psalmist said in Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. I come to tell you when you start praising him, it's not just a commandment to get into the building, but it's the access into his spirit. You can't have his spirit without praise. But when you start praising him, it invites his spirit into your life where anything is possible. Somebody shall praise him. We used to sing a song growing up in church. We ought to sing it again maybe. Praise him, praise him, praise him in the morning. How many remember that? Praise him in the time. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Sun goes down. We believe no matter what's going on in our world, chaos can break out. There could be an economic failure. No matter what you agree or disagree on politically, it doesn't change my right and my reason to praise him. God is never changing. He always remains the same. Somebody say amen. You know, everybody likes to receive praise and everybody truly should become a praiser. That's right. I remember being in church and intimidated. My, my mom would, she would be playing the keyboard and every now and then she'd get out from behind the keyboard and she'd just start dancing like this. My dad would get out. When he'd start preaching, he'd start really get into the worship part of preaching, preaching himself into a place of praise and my dad would lay his microphone down like this and go, whoa, 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 whoa. He started dancing like that. He'd run a circle, come back up. Every now and then when I'm preaching, I run a circle just because I remember how my daddy did it. Woo, woo, hallelujah. I've been in church services. We have, used to have testimony services. I'm glad those days are over because some people did real good and some people gave the devil all kind of praise. They say things, well, the devil's been on my back all day, bless his sweet name. We don't need to talk about the devil. 
But I'm talking about when we start praising God. When we start worshiping the Lord, there is something that comes over us. We start feeling the presence of God. You know what we need? We need some praisers in every service. You say, well, I'm not needed there. But when you start clapping your hands and praising him, it invites the glory of God into the building. Hey, I don't want to be a part of no dead church where you can't feel anything. There's nothing going on. You can't feel liberty when you praise him. You know what I say? You come in praising him. You come in magnifying the Lord. Somebody shout glory. My dad and my mom, they believed in dancing Psalms 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him according to his. Praise him in the firmament of his. That means everywhere you go. Praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in your bedroom. Praise him when you get in your car on the way to work. Praise him. Praise him. Because I come to tell you, he's not confined to a church building. You can praise him all the way to work and your coworkers feel him. Walk into the job and say, what is that I feel? I don't know, but on the way here, I've just been in the presence of God and you can feel that the Lord's with me. He's not, come on, you can praise him into the surgery room and get a miracle. God is not limited to a building. We've got to learn to praise, praise him upon the string instruments. Praise him upon the organ. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Come on now, I come to tell you, praise him in the dance. Is there anybody here that says, I just come to praise him for a little while this morning. I've come to magnify the Lord. Somebody shout praise him. So the gate is measured. When you come into the church, I believe the Lord measures, as Revelation says. He measures the worship. Oh, Brother Noah, I believe when you come into the house of God, he measures you. Oh, it comes and measures the preacher. Oh, my. Come on. Stand up here. He measures the worshiper. He got in trouble in class, but didn't feel worthy to praise God when it came to church. Oh my. Don't stretch your hands, you're gonna make me look bad. He measures him. They didn't, he didn't hardly get any tips when he was working at the restaurant this week. Mad at God. Got bills to pay. Don't raise your hands either. You're gonna make me look bad too. Things didn't go your way. I'm telling you, God watches. I'm just going to go ahead and help you. He didn't, it's not good enough to show up. He said when we gather together in unity, everybody's mind's on the same thing. Just God's been good to me. We're all sinners saved by grace. We shouldn't judge ourselves among ourselves. Paul said it's not wise, but he is the judge. And I didn't come to please anybody. I come to please him. So before you sit there and not worship because you're afraid of what your neighbor is going to say across the aisle, who cares what they think about you? You feel like running the aisles because he healed your body, you go ahead and run the aisles. You feel like leaping for joy, you go ahead and leap for joy. You feel like shouting hallelujah, go ahead and shout hallelujah because God's watching you. One of the things is I don't ever want God to think I'm not thankful for his mercy. I don't want one service to go by and he look out of heaven and see an ungrateful heart. Just casual, mediocre, complacent Christianity. I don't want him to ever think I don't care about what he did for me at the cross. So forgive me if I get exuberant every now and then. But I've got to express myself. He's been too good for me to hold my mouth, for me to hold my seat. I've got to pray. Come on, anybody feel that way? So if I shout, just put up with me. But he's been good to me. Come on, clap your hands, everybody. 
everybody and praise him for a moment. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated, and I'm going to tell you, if you can't enter his, enter his gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise, the church will die. You will lose all of the deliberating, the, the, the liberty you have in your life. And you'll understand that, that David understood this. When they were at Padanaram, and there was a Goliath down the valley, a place that belonged to Judah. Judah means praise. Goliath stood in the valley that belonged to Judah and said, send me a man to fight. And he makes this statement, Brother Fligger, this is what he says. Brother Chris, he makes this statement. Goliath, probably the only good thing he said was, but it was a principle. He said, if I conquer you here, if I, if I conquer you at Judah, he said this, then you will all become slaves to the Philistines. He said, but if you conquer me here, he said, our entire nation will become subservient to you. What he was saying is, if you let me steal your praise, you will become under bondage to the enemy. But what he did say, but if you'll keep your praise, you're going to have authority over every single Goliath giant in your life. I don't care what you're going through. There's power in praising him. Come on. I said, there's power in just shouting hallelujah Anyhow, somebody shall praise him. So who cares on your row that's not worshiping? Worship him. Who cares if the song is out of tune every now and then? I didn't come to be entertained. I come to let him know I'm grateful. I come to let him know I'm thankful. Come on, if you're grateful or thankful, clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. The door matters to God. He measures the entrance. And I want to say that in Ezekiel chapter 40 and verse 22, if they'll help me in the media today, Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 22, he measured the gates. There's several measures about the gates, the threshold of the gate, the, 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 all, all of the, the width of the gate, the, the, everything about the gate. You can find the measure of the gate, but he gets down to verse 22 and he makes a statement. And their windows and their arches and their palm trees were after the measure of the gate that looketh toward the east. What he was saying was this, the window that looks out of the church is proportional to the entrance of the church. You will never have an entrance that allows people access to the church that will ever be bigger than the vision of the church. What he was saying this, you, 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 you can't have a bigger door, a big door, and a small vision. You can't be racial in your view and have a door that's multicultural. You, your vision matches the door. <laughs> and if you can't see a multicultural church, You'll never have a multicultural church. If you can't envision young people and children involved in the church, the vision of children singing, children ministering, children being a part, you'll never have a door that lets children a part of the church. So to have a multi-generational church or an access or a door that allows them in. You've got to have a vision for it. You've got to envision children up here prophesying and praying and singing. Why can't a 10-year-old preach to us? Why can't? I know things are different now. I believe they'll get back to some level of normality in the future. But why can't we have a choir that's multi-generational? Why do you have to be 18 before you sing a solo? Why can't you be eight or nine or 10 and sing in the sanctuary choir? Because this church isn't made up of just one generation. It's a church that involves every generation. And we've got to have a vision of children. We've got to have a vision of babies. We've got to have a vision of young and while I'm on it, you've got to have a vision. If you think this is just a young person's church, you've missed it. We've got people that are in their 50s getting called to the ministry. You know why? Because we've got a vision that says you're not too old to do something for God. People in their 60s have got a burden. Our precious sister Mary Williams passed away, and I so miss her. There's an empty spot in this room. There's an empty spot in my heart. 
think of Paul Nutter, just another one was our elders passed away years ago, prayed in this church every day. Every day from 6 to 7, Monday through Friday. There's an element in me that says, who's going to take her place? Who took his place? Making sure that somebody was standing in the gap for their pastor, standing in the gap for their kids, community, standing in the gap in prayer. And I think of this. They weren't young, but they were powerful. People come to this church because all the letters Mary Williams were writing them when they were in jail, when they were in the hospital, when they were when they were absent. She could come across to, in her 90s and see somebody who hadn't been in church in years and walk over and say, I've been praying for you. I'm so glad to see you. What I'm saying is the vision of the seniors, the vision of the seniors was they wanted their church to grow. And I want you to know here today, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, there's a vision in this church that said there's room for you in this church to do something mighty. There's vision in this church to do something powerful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sister Billy, your son to your right, have him run up here. Your son to your right, I can't tell because he got a mask on. Run on up here. Josiah, run up here, Josiah. Don't run up here like a young man. I looked out here. They were building tables the other day getting ready for the school, working hard. Man, these row kids, row, row, row. They were working hard. You know what? They didn't, his dad didn't just say, go over in the corner. No, his mom didn't just say. Brother Cody didn't go say, you're too young. No, they were, they were cutting boards and sanding boards. And You know why? Because it's not their parents' church. It's their church. You know reason people walk away from the house of God when they're 18 is because there's no room for them there. They were always going to grandma's church and auntie's church and they were always going to their parents' church. But you give me a kid that believes there's room in that church for them, they won't want to leave because it's my church. That's where I serve. That's where I found my purpose. Give me nuts. And what if the Lord wants to do something great in your life? What if God would want to give the gifts of the Spirit because we believe that he can use the elders and the young. There was, in the home church where I grew up, they had a bus ministry. A little girl came off of that bus ministry. Her parents didn't live for God. But when the move of the Spirit would happen, she was eight years old and was used in the gift of tongues. Was never, never around this. Parents didn't even live for God. But when she would come there, the Lord would use her because she believed that God could use her. And she would begin to give a message in tongues and could prophesy. And I come to tell you, that'll never happen if the church can't see it. But you give me something, to, somebody that starts picturing it. You know what? I, I'm picturing my children being used of God. I'm picturing some bus kids being used of God. I'm picturing, come on, I'm preaching to you. I picture a church that has all the colors, every color in the church. Come on, it has every language in the church. It has everybody involved, every age group. Do you believe God can use this young man? Shout hallelujah. Amen, we believe it. Thank you, thank you, Josiah. So you've got to have a vision. Proverbs, he says, without a vision, the people perish. Let me just interpret it for you. If you can't see future, you die. I have people to tell me over the years, and let me talk to you a little bit. I'm casting vision here today because I do believe the greatest growth of the church is ahead of us and not behind us. Amen. Don't be deceived by a pandemic. There's a lot of people not coming right now because they do not want to be sick. We understand that. But don't think the church is anywhere less than it's ever been. Hallelujah. You know what we need to start doing? We need to start praying all this away. Come on, you believe God can do that? Do you believe God can cause this thing to die? Do you believe it? Then this side, pray to that wall. This side, pray to the north. I want some in the back to pray that way. Some of you pray this way. We just believe God can do anything. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray against COVID-19, this virus. Lord, we understand we need to be safe, but I pray, oh God, that Lord, you would put a protection around our country. I pray against the sickness. I pray against the spread. I pray against, oh God, its effect upon our nation, upon our people, upon our churches. We pray, God, for a healing of our land. We pray for healing of our land. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, we're asking you to heal our land, oh God. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Oh, praise him. Do you believe God can heal it? Come on, he can heal our land. He can. I feel faith in the building. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all. We can ask or think. You can be seated. And so years ago, year, years ago, I was preaching in Atlanta. I wasn't even planning on coming to Zanes with that point in my ministry. I was in Atlanta, Georgia area, preaching at a church. And I was awakened one morning. As soon as I was awakened, you know, rest is a great place because that's where God can speak. God doesn't speak to a weary mind or a busy mind. So you have to be very careful about social media at nighttime because you can't get the sleep you normally would and God can't speak to you. It makes your mind spin. It's like a hamster in a wheel. You know what I'm talking about? Can't speak to that mind. I, I was awakened one morning, and when I did, the Lord opened a vision to me. And I saw a large facility, and I saw all these sort of satellite buildings around it. I can still see it. I drew on paper. I'm a terrible artist. I wish I had the giftings of Sister Allison Vanderhoff. You can see the painting in the hallway doing a, doing a great job. Amen. Aren't we thankful for her gifts? And the Lord showed me uh, a landscape in front of the church. And there was a huge anchor, like a fountain. And it said, the anchor church. I was just an evangelist. I called Cindy. We were newly married. I said, the Lord gave me a vision of a church, the anchor church. We didn't know where that would be, what that would be. Later in time, the Bishop Ferris, formerly Pastor Ferris here, called me and asked me to come to Zanes when I came. And... Uh, God gave me a vision, and I, I felt to come. I, I, didn't, I always wanted to plant a church, but we came. And one of the reasons we came after he called me was because I was in Mississippi. And a man looked at me, and uh, his name was Gary Hodum. I was preaching a, a youth camp, and uh, Camp Kumbaya was the name of the camp. I think he even had chigger bites when I left there, out in the country. We were sitting in this old dusty tabernacle, green seats, old building. Had a musty smell about it. After one of the morning services, we were lingering at the back two seats in that small campground sanctuary. I was typically around an elder. I was just listening, not talking, asking questions maybe, trying to learn. He said, Brother Aaron, he said, do you ever know where David got his mighty men? You know, in 2 Samuel 23, mighty men. I said, no, never thought of it. You know, one killed a lion-like man in a, in, a, in a pit on a snowy day. How many's ever read that? One of them, them, read it. 2 Samuel 23, it's quite, you're talking about superheroes. We need to get our kids back in the Bible heroes, amen. Man, sorry, ain't no, there's not a Spider-Man or Batman. The men that fought entire armies off alone. Common men that killed giants. It's amazing that, that the, the war, the warriors that were in Scripture that were God used to do great things, killed lions with their own hands, used slingshots to take down. It's amazing what you really sure. He said, did you ever see where King David got his mighty men? And I said, no. No, where did he get him? He said, 1 Samuel chapter 22. And I want to read it to you. Is it okay if I bear my heart? Because we're moving forward. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, prophecy never dies. Jeremiah, the Lord's not done with you. You want God to restore you? You believe God can restore this young man? Because I believe God's going to restore you. Matter of fact, the Lord had me to tell you, through the obedience of a man of God, through the obedience of the word of God, he's going to make you whole. I want you to lift your hands and receive the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, he's going to clean the slate. He's going to change your circle. And he's going to give you a great future. Go ahead, let the Lord touch him. Elder, just let me take a break here a moment. Just come over. Elder, would you come over and, and pray? Amen. Help me pray. People are coming here for answers and direction. This is what we do here. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus, let there be healing. He's praying through the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. Can I get a witness from somebody who says, we're so glad he's home. Amen. The Lord is working a miracle in his life. So glad he's home. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, David was in the cave of Adullam. Saul was trying to kill him. And the Bible says he went there and these men gathered unto him. In verse 2 of 1 Samuel 22. And everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. They had been rejected from the community. They were in debt. They were distressed. But they were discontented. They weren't satisfied with where they were. And God allowed David to become a leader to them. And what was the reject of society actually became a mighty army of powerful men. Praise God. And when Brother Hodom told me that, the Lord embraced something in my spirit. <laughs> I started a pastor's heart that... When you evangelize, become a pastor, you change your heart from evangelist to a pastor. It was at that moment my heart changed. I didn't want to just go to 40 plus churches a year and travel. I want to get my hands on somebody that was a dirty-faced kid maybe from the community and didn't have any, any, any fatherhood in their life. Maybe a part of a gang. Maybe, maybe out there on the streets that, that, that you know they, they're in the wrong circle, but they just need hope. They need direction. That if we can get our hands on them, we could lead them to a purpose, a destiny, and greatness. And that was in my heart when I came here. Sister Hodge, every time I think of this portion of when I came to Zanesville, I always think of you because you got involved and helped us. We got these little jars. Peanut, we used to sell a ton of peanut butter eggs. And uh, one year they sold 10000 I think it was, or $10,000 worth. Do you remember that? And I remember this because thank you for believing in a young man. And I want to say to you, Sister Hodge, you have always made me feel like I was a part of your family. I was just a hillbilly, but you loved me anyhow. Had a southern accent. She still calls me her boy. You and, you and Buddy Hodge. But you remember that? We set these peanut butter jars. We washed them out. Hot water gets rid of the peanut butter. So we got those peanut butter jars, sent them all across, and Brother Anthony and I, and we took a, a little piece of paper and said, change, change our world. Handed them out and asked people to put just change. I was praying, God, how are we going to pay for this ministry to reach children and bring them to the house of God? Because that's what they need. They don't need drugs. They, don't, they need Jesus. Amen. Amen. And uh, we're going to get kids, kids from all corners. We're going to get them here. And uh, we did. We sent them across. And I remember you getting one of those. And it so moved me that bought in. Because I saw change sitting in people's corner of their houses in prayer and that they would give it. Man, they did. Hundreds of dollars came in through those little change jars. And Sister Jackie, you'll never forget it because you had to count it all. Do you remember that? <laughs> and the change come in, man. We had all kinds of pennies and quarters and nickels and dimes and some dollars. And we started doing that. We started reaching people in the community. And uh, we had an event in the back. And uh, we invited all these kids to the church. We had, we had 90, 90 first-time guests in the back of the building. 90 first-time guests from the streets. Isn't that amazing? Uh, we started reaching unchurched people. And uh, they did. We picked them up in the van. And Brother Chris, do you remember driving those vans, picking up all those? And you'd have Sunday afternoon football and ice cream. Do you remember that? All these young people began to come. We, I remember one time we marched. The, we had a youth service in the back. Brother Cody, you remember that? We had 70-some people walk down the aisle. Church couldn't believe there was that many kids. Brother Fred, Sister Jackie. Brother Fred, stand. Sister Jackie, stand. Y'all started going to Avondale Youth Center. Do you remember that? And bringing, I don't know, seven or eight kids, maybe 10 or 15, I can't remember, bringing them to the youth service. And, and we, we were going to the juvenile jails. And Brother, Brother Dave, Sister Annie Brown, we were going to the juvenile jails and ministering and playing the guitar and reaching unchurched people. And then 90-some kids, they were in the back, they were fighting. They tore stalls off the bathroom walls. It was, I didn't know what I was doing. But I thought, if people are lost, we got to be willing to fail. But I don't want to fail by not doing anything. You see, because when you get a vision that's a God vision, it creates a drive and a passion. Because where there's no vision, there's death. 
No use to knock a door. No use to invite a person because you have no vision. And if we're not careful, we will die as individuals because we absolutely have no vision of what God wants to do. But I pray over you that you'll get the vision of your pastor. You'll get the vision of what God's vision is for this city. It's a big one. It's a great one. And you've been called to be a part of it. But you've got to start seeing I could see it. I could see faceless, faceless people of every ethnicity coming. I could see them coming to the church and repenting at an altar. Oh, getting baptized and come up to me and say, Pastor, I got, I got called to preach. I don't want to be a part of the gang. I don't want to be a part of this. I want to do something for God. And they would come faithfully. And it wasn't long. Do you remember that? We'd have a bunch of kids. More children that were coming to our church were from unchurched families than there were from church families. This church went from, in a few months, from 240 to 320 in three months. So many people got involved. So many people started putting their hands on people's lives. The Bible calls it the field. I want everybody to take your clean hands and look at your clean, holy hands. He didn't keep your hands holy so you can't touch unholy people. We can't be so holy that we can't reach for unholy people. He brought them out of Egypt, separated them, healed them, fixed them to send them back to Egypt to get people out of bondage. And I come to tell you, the church is a place where we reach for hurting people, where we reach for broken people. I'm not going to stop here today. I'm going to tell you what I feel. Brother Derek, come and help me in the organ for a little bit. But I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost wants to do. God wants to take some people from the dirt of the world and put them under the table of his righteousness and feast at his word and his purpose and his vision. We realize you can't always get people to church. It's sort of been the heartbeat. You can be seated. Are you okay out there? You're not too hungry for me to finish, are you? Pastor, my belly's growling. Well, you should eat before you came this morning. Amen. We've got to get a passion. I lost people. We had statements like building lives for a greater purpose. We had statements like if we can't get you to come to church, we'll take church to you. Street revivals. Wild Bridge revivals. Outdoor revivals. Brother Nehemiah, you remember that? I remember you stopping traffic down off Pine Street and said, hey, here's a flyer. We're having a big event this evening. I want you to come. Man, he'd wave somebody else down. It was like the, it was like the fire department with their boots, you know what I'm talking about? But Nehemiah out there handing cards. People come to church and pray and go walk the streets because they started seeing what God measures. It's not the will of God to have, you know, empty seats. He said that my house may be full. He said, go to the highways and hedges. Compel them to come in. Both bad and good. If everybody in the church is good, then it's not the measure of God. I'm going to say it again because somebody said, oh, well, you're here. Not everybody in the church should be good. There ought to be people that come in from brokenness. We ought to have people come in drunk and get sobered up during the preaching. We need people coming in high, not knowing where they are and who they are, but they come in and say, and they get sobered up and say, this is what I've been looking for. I'm not gonna take my life. I want this gospel. I want this Jesus. I want this cross. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. He's the answer. He's the answer to our community. He's the answer. We'll take church to them. I preached every Thursday in a juvenile jail every other Saturday in another juvenile jail. We had revivals to break out in the county jail, city jail. It spread to the Belmont County. It went to Noble County. People called me and said, how in the world did you get ministries in Noble County? We couldn't get in there for years. So I don't know. Just God opened the door. Vision opens doors. What would happen if you would start seeing how God sees your coworker? 
and maybe start realizing that God placed you on the job not just so you to get a raise but so you could reach somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's no reason why everybody in the building can't bring a guest with you to the house of God next Sunday. Everybody. But when you start seeing, everybody say when you start seeing what God measures, the door gets bigger. You know, I don't think that God gave Noah the measurement of how big the door was going to be on the ark, Noah. But when God said, I'm going to bring in animals of every diversity, every every kind, he had to build a door big enough for elephants and hippopotamuses. He had to get a door big enough to let them all in. Because when God gives a vision, you start building gateways that allows access for everybody. Come on. I believe in for Asian preachers in our church. I believe it for Hispanic evangelists in our church. They're coming from Tlaque Pake, El Parion. Come on, I'm telling you, they're gonna come from every place, but somebody's gotta see it. If you could see it, would you jump on your feet and help me see it? Come on, help me. Say, come on, pastor, I'm believing with you. We're gonna have black evangelists, white evangelists, Everybody coming into the house of God, multicultural choir, amen, multi-generational choir, but somebody's got to see it. I got up and I made statements like this, Brother Derek. I'd get up and I'd preach with passion. And i say, the Lord's going to give us a 60,000 soul revival. 60,000. Just a young man, just, just a young youth pastor. I don't know if you criticize me because I didn't ever feel it. But I just felt like people start clapping saying, yeah, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. Why 60,000? Because the banker says there's 60,000 people in the neighborhood. Why not? Go for all. 60,000. And a preacher came preaching. Brother Tuttle, he stopped in the middle of his message, talked about a whirlwind. He said, Brother Bounds, why settle for 60,000 when you can have 600,000? I'm like, how did he know that? Why put a limit on it? Why not just start seeing what God sees? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, can you see a backslider that's been out of the church for 20 years coming in and doing something great for God because if you don't see it, the door won't let them in. But if you can see it and start believing it, they're coming. I said, they're coming. The vision opens the door. I want you to clap your hands and praise him all over the building. So you know what I'm going to do? I got a vision that I got a vision that we're going to be able to reach nations through our through our Facebook live and video streaming. Nations. Somebody shout nations. We're going to start campuses around the world through virtual, virtual preaching. We're going to get the gospel in third world countries. I was in the jungle of Guatemala, in the jungle. I'm talking about way out. Had a ride, just seen Sawyer now on a motorcycle going out through the jungle. Get way out in the jungle. When I got out there on the radio, I could hear Elias Lamones preaching in the jungle. I mean, he preaches all the world. To the Spanish nations. I mean, he is known probably by millions of people. He's an UPC apostolic preacher. It's powerful. He's getting the gospel. But he had to have a vision before the doors open. But I just feel like on a Sunday morning that if the anchor can get a hold of the vision, doors are going to open in Germany. Doors are going to open in India. Doors are going to open in Venezuela. Doors are... Come on, why limit God? Lift your hands and say, God, let me see what you see and let me be a part of what you're a part of. This is bigger than Zanesville. This is bigger than McConnellsville. It's going to spread all the way down to Beverly. God, it's bigger. It's bigger than Ohio. It's bigger than the United States of America and Canada. Lord, Guatemala is going to open up to Honduras. 
Ecuador, El Salvador, Belize, in Jesus' name. Lord, it's going to spread all the way down to Brazil. It's going to open up in new, new doors in Colombia. Oh, God, Lord, this apostolic Pentecostal fire is going to burn through our world. Lord, let it open in China. Let it open like never before in China, Malaysia, India, Zimbabwe. Oh, God, let us have the vision. The vision of the church. Lord, touch Brother Adam Nelson right now. Let healing come over his body. But Lord, let him see the vision of the church today as our promotion director. In Jesus' name, I'm going to tell you what I feel. Don't you dare sit. Don't sit on your talent. Because the hour is too soon. I can't get it out of my spirit. We're so close to the coming of the Lord that if you sit too long, God's going to replace you with somebody that's discontented. He's going to replace you with somebody that wants this, that's hungry for the gospel to be preached, that's hungry for the... Come on, if you you have any talent, you need to stand up with it and say, God, I want it to be a part of the vision. I'll work where I need to work. I'll labor in the field, but God, I'm not going to sit here. Somebody shout, I'm not going to sit here. Anchor Church watching live stream, you need to be praying right now for a bigger vision because God's going to expand this like we've never seen before. Do you believe it? Abortionists are going to be saved. People with AIDS are going to be delivered and healed. People of every background, every lifestyle, the blood shall never lose its power. God said, I just need a people that can believe. Do you believe he can heal, deliver, and save anybody? If you believe it, clap your hands and shout amen. I want you to elbow two or three people and tell them the vision will open the door. Come up here, Tori. Come up here, Tori. Run up. Yeah, Tori. She spoke, was it last Sunday? You spoke at a Spanish church two Sundays ago, maybe. Come on up here, Sister Tori. Amen. Started a, a college Bible study. She's naturally timid and shy. Come on up. Come on up. Just a little bit shy. But she said, I want to do something for Jesus. Bible study at OSU Newark. Is that correct? Amen. People came in and got delivered. One was the leader of the LGBT on their campus. Came and was delivered. God saved him. Filled him with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. How many of y'all baptized? How many have you baptized? 22 people baptized on that campus in Jesus' name. You see, the devil's trying to numb what he put in your spirit, what God put in your spirit to use. You say, well, I don't feel any purpose. You need to fast. Turn off everything off. Fast, because God's going to bring that to light. But I do feel in the Holy Ghost that God's going to open doors. He opened that door because you started seeing it. Probably at some meeting, you started believing it. You got to start seeing it. How many of you have some co-workers that, man, you've wondered about them getting saved? Why don't you start envisioning it? So you got the power of a picture. I want you to open your eyes and gaze off into heaven for a moment. And I want you to picture, envision God doing something great. Great. Hallelujah. Now I want you to start thanking him for what he's getting ready to do. Come on, all over the building. Just go ahead and praise him. Come on, picture your husband coming coming back to church. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name, we're going to move today. We're going to move in a dimension where God is going to use us. How many feel a call of God coming up over you? Sister Tori, stretch your hands and pray over this congregation. Everybody on your feet right now, receiving of the Lord. Everybody on your feet. There's a vision. There's a door. 
There's a door about to open in this community. Hallelujah. I feel conviction. Come on, Lord. I don't want my talent to be wasted. I don't want my talent to be in vain. Oh, Jesus. I want to use it for the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God's going to give you a new vision. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Are you believing we're going to reach people? How many family members? How many of you have family members you want to reach? Neighborhoods you want to reach? Amen. 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 I don't, I don't know how to do this, but I feel like, I just feel like you need to move. I feel like you need to get out of your seat. Make a step of faith and say, God is going to use me to reach somebody. I don't know how to do it. Amen. Maybe Jillian, lead the way. Come on down. Jillian, lead the way. Amen. Come on, Brother Wine. Lead, come on up here. Step out of your seat. I know God's giving you a burden. Amen. Some people that said, I want to be used of God. I want to do something for the Lord. I just feel like, I just feel like praying, praying over some of you. Do y'all feel this? There, there's a call of God upon you. There's delivering power. Amen, amen, amen. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, Rachel, the Lord's touching you right now. Let's, let's be mindful and social distance. If we can, let's do this. Those in the back, go toward the back. I'm going to have you march right through here and go right back out. I'm going to pray over you as you go because I feel the hand of God. Come this way. Go to that way and please keep social distance. But we're going to try to do this in an orderly fashion. Amen. Brother Ben, would you do me a favor? You and a couple others, would you go that way and go toward the back? Would you do that? Follow him. A few of you. I'm going to have you all to follow him. I'm, I know you came down here first, but I want an orderly fashion. When I pray over you, the Holy Ghost is going to come over you. And the Lord's going to open your mind to see your purpose and your vision. I do. I really feel this. I don't want anybody else. My dad made a statement one time when he was in church, Holy Ghost was falling. My dad made this statement. He said, if you don't want it, God's going to give it to somebody that does. And this lady jumped up out of her seat. She said, I don't want anybody else to have what God has for me. Run to the altar. I don't want anybody else. Camille, so good to see you. God wants to do something special in you. In you, everybody say, in me and through me. God's building a mighty army. It's here. Now it's time for the army. Go ahead, Sister Dunlap. Let the Lord bless you. Praise God. Amen. Brother, sister, scaredo, lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, once you open your eyes, start walking that way. Toward the cam- back toward the camera. Go ahead, brother and sister, scaredo, walk that way. Lead the way. Would you do that? In the name of the Lord, I pray over them. Go ahead, brother Luke, follow them. And sister Allison, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray over them. That's it, toward the camera. That's right. We'll stay out of the senior section. In the name of Jesus, I pray open their vision. One couple, one individual, one family at a time. And Lord, I pray for Rachel. Lord, I pray for these children right now to have revival. I pray, God, over them. That's it, Sister Rachel. Lift your hands. Come on, let's, let's begin to follow suit and you can return to your seats. I pray for healing. <laughs> God, you give them a vision for children. That's it. Go ahead. In the name of Jesus, Sister Helen. God, you're going to use her to teach Bible study. Sister Lisa, go ahead. Sister Lisa, wine. Let the Lord touch you. Let's make our way. Go ahead. Just lift your hand. Lord, I pray over them. Give them a vision. Lord, broken people being healed. Oh, God, let your spirit give them, Lord, you give them talents already. Now use them to reach hurting people. Go ahead, Erica, Christy. Go ahead, Emily. <laughs> I want to get my hands dirty in the field. God bless the Schultz family. Oh, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The Harden family, thank you for them. Go ahead, Brother Corey. I pray God open the vision. Open their heart. Let them see what you see. Let the doors begin to open in their life. God, I'm going to do something for the Lord this year. My home is going to become a place of prayer. My home is going to become an outreach place. I'm going to help people. That's it, Brother Chris. You and your wonderful family, your children. Lord, let them reach hundreds of children. Go ahead, Candy. Oh, go ahead, Brother Ben. Steer off. Lord, his wonderful family, Hannah, Denver, that's it. Oh, Sister Tina, these wonderful people here today. Bless them. Oh, God, this family, Lord, bless them today. Oh, God, in Jesus.
Jesus' name a burden. A burden. A burden. God, give them a burden for the lost. Lord, there's hurting people. You're watching online. The Lord's moving right now. I want you to tell God, I want a vision. I want a vision. Because the door is going to open. There's going to be a floodgate. Everybody shout, my gate. It's going to become a floodgate. A blessing. I want all the seniors, I know that you're limited. Limited because you're staying safe. I want you to lift your hands. You're not too old or too young to do something for God. I want you to tell the Lord, oh God, what do you want me to do? I want a vision. I want our church to be filled. Lord, with people being healed. Come on, it might be musical giftings God's given you and they're still there. It could be ministering the word, the knowledge, the truth to share with people. It could be calling somebody, encouraging them right now. Lord Jesus, Jesus, today. Hallelujah. Anointing fall on me. Brother Derek, help me. Anointing fall on me let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me somebody shout anointing fall on me how many want to be used of the Lord lift your hands and say anointing oh fall Somebody say anointing Fall on me Let the power of the Holy Ghost Fall on me Anointing Fall on me There's somebody the Lord's calling right now for the calling to Lord anointing, the name I help me sing today.